Athletic. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. It's the podcast that learned last week probably needs a more masculine sneeze. On the show today, how do you get good at streaming FM content? We're talking to one of the best in the business, YouTube sensation Zealand, about what it takes to build a huge base of viewers and, you know, how much money you'll make. We've also got CJ Ramson in again for another position of the week. This time, we're looking at the inverted wingback. We've got your letters, loads of them. And we're asking Seb Stafford-Bloor from TIFO, what else do you play? Let's get cracking. I'm delighted to say that on today's show, we are joined live from New York, where he's just moved, by the absolutely legendary streamer, Zealand. Hello, sir. Aha! It, so- it sounds like I'm like Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show, live from New York. In, in this community, I think, I mean, I'd say you're probably higher than Fallon levels. You'd be approaching Conan O'Brien levels, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, let's have a look at some of the numbers. You've got 130,000 subscribers on YouTube watching your videos, 65,000 on Twitch, who are probably more concerned about the sudden headlines about the hacking of Twitch than anything else. You've got videos that are getting over a quarter of a million views. Um, you're absolutely smacking it out of the park. When you put it that way, yeah. Then, then <laughs> I, I, all I'm missing from the Conan O'Brien part is the hair, I guess. Well, I'm working on it. Yeah, it's incredible. Implants it? next week, yeah. <laughs> magical stuff i guess like what most people will be thinking because like loads of people stream their football manager games or they want to stream their football manager games and and they look at youtube and they see they see the shiny apples at the top of the tree and they might not be aware that for every one person like you who's absolutely nailing it there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who sort of aren't getting anywhere at all with it for whatever reason how do you think it's gone so well for you there's always luck that plays into it right and so i'm never going to discount the fact that luck has something to do with it and what i what i mean by that it's kind of luck and timing uh the pandemic is obviously a horrible thing that happened to a lot of people to to the world but for me personally it was the gateway essentially from the moment the pandemic happened probably a month or two after I had a new full-time job after it happened. I positioned myself well for the, you know, when all of a sudden everybody was inside, I was the person whose videos they started to watch and streams they started to watch. And I don't know if you'll ever be able to replicate that kind of situation. And let me put it this way. I hope you'll never be able to replicate that kind of situation because the whole world was inside and needed something to do. And a lot of people turned to football manager and I had spent the last year making tutorials on how to play football manager. And then it just blew up. I would say in a more like strategic sense, how did it happen? Uh, it, w- it was just continuing to try new things uh, in order to get them to work because you don't grow streaming. Streaming is like the reward at the end at the end of the road i streamed for two years before i ever made a youtube video and i averaged 10 to 14 viewers you know after working hard streaming every day for a long stretch i traveled all the way across australia and new zealand and i brought my computer because i was like well i can't miss days streaming or whatever and i so i had all these different theories that i would keep working on 
And at a lot of points, I'd be like, well, why are you still doing this? Like, you know, it's just kind of there was even a point where I'd look at people that had a lot of people watching them streaming. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I'm just not willing to sacrifice as much of my life as they were in order to, to get there because you just have to really do this all the time, nonstop. And eventually I just had this realization that you like streaming, you don't actually grow. You see a bunch of people stream all the time and it's, it can be fun. It can be a good hobby, a good way to share your save. That's it. You don't have any other aspirations out of that. But I got offered the chance to take over FM Base's YouTube channel. And I was like, you know what? This is a YouTube channel that has a big website attached to it. What if I grabbed this and then just at the end of every video just said, hey, you can come watch the stream. And then I'll, you just trial and error your way to where we are now. Your videos, they're really well produced. You're an absolute natural in front of the camera. Is that something that you've gone out and taught yourself how to do? Or do you have people helping you out? I copied people. I mean that in like the the most uh, flattering way to other people. That's kind of how you have to do it because it is daunting to look at YouTube as a whole. And even when I started making videos on YouTube, there were already people that were like, oh, you can't, you just can't grow on YouTube anymore. Right? It's just like, it's just not going to happen. And I had no idea. I actually was not somebody that watched YouTube a lot growing up. Well, the weird thing is I've started watching YouTube more after I started making it my job. But I just went out and I copied people. I found a guy named Harris Heller. He's an interesting guy. Not everything he says is right, but he says a lot of good things to kind of help you get off the ground as a content creator. And I liked watching his videos and I realized I liked watching them, not necessarily because of what he was talking about, but just because they were pleasant to watch. And when I realized that, I just started copying the way he did everything. Was there a point where you, like the, there was a shift in the balance and it, it suddenly went from being a thing that you did almost as a hobby into like, oh, wow, I, I can quit my job and do this full time. The fun thing about it is I never had a job that I needed to quit. I think I was in a unique position to begin with. I did freelance broadcasting, which meant I was just basically trying to accumulate doing, you know, play by play like, oh, go like those sorts of things. I, I was just trying to accumulate enough of those games to, to be able to make a full time living, which I'd done for a couple of years. And so instead of quitting a job, all I had to do was take less and less games. This is on top of the fact that the pandemic hit. And so I, you know, I ended up just canceling my lease and going home for like the beginning part of the pandemic, which, which was the point where we were like trying to figure out if the world was going to end or not. And so I just went home with my two other brothers. And we just were at the house in Tampa, which was a great opportunity to just kind of sit there and focus on making videos. I had nothing else to do all day. So <laughs> I, it was, it's just like, I don't know what, when the point was, but I do know there was a time in particular on Twitch where I'd been making between 600 and $800 every month. And then one month I just made like $3,000 on Twitch. And I was like, huh? <laughs> Hello. Yeah. You're just like, well, now you start to budget it out. You're like, okay, if I got a sponsor here and if the YouTube start, YouTube just kind of accumulates, right? It, the, the monetary thing changes, but the more videos you release, the more money you make essentially. And so that just keeps going up. And if I can keep this level of Twitch income, I'm like, I could just do this and not broadcast any games if I wanted to. Well, then at that point, you're really excited because now you're one of the few people on the face of the earth that could play a video game for a living. 
And so you just kind <laughs> of, you just keep pushing the envelope. I know that feeling. You certainly never get bored of it. Um, but what, what do you think it is about Football Manager that makes it, it's just perfect for this sort of arena, isn't it? Because there's so much that you can get into on it. That's, that's one of my favorite questions. It's like, you know, are you ever worried you're going to run out of tutorials to make on Football Manager? And I'm like, nope. Because by the time I have properly tested and explained most of the things in Football Manager 2021, the next one's coming out. Cool. There's a bunch of new, there's a bunch of new stuff in that game we Thank can you, talk Sports about. Interactive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I love the way they do it too, because you got freaking Miles, right? He he goes, Well, you know, we're not sure if we're gonna release a game next year. And I'm like, Miles. Don't do this to me, man. Wait, like, like just the way they obviously they're going to release a game, but they they're like so coy about it. They don't want to lock themselves into having to release a game. It it always it just bothers me. I'm always like, man, just say it, say the game is coming out, so they can like budget my 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 life around it. But I I think Football Manager lends itself perfectly to tutorials. It took me a year and a half to learn how to play the game. Like I bought FM14 and I did not start playing it until like 2016, 2017 was when I finally cleared the threshold of like, I know enough about the game to be able to get through a save. It, it took that long for me. And then with the tutorials, I'm like, well, obviously other people are probably having this problem. So if I just sit here and go, this is what you do in this situation, try and help people clear that threshold faster, then you know, hopefully it is something that one would help a lot of people too. A lot of people would watch. And so it's, it's a hard game. That's hard to learn with a lot of details in it. And someone had to sit down and make tutorials about it that people would actually enjoy watching. And so we got there eventually. One of the things I've always loved about it is it's very easy to tell people where they're going wrong, where you can say, look, you're, you're doing that. You've got too many men going forward. You're leaving a gap. And that's why you're always losing. But it's much harder to be able to say, this is what you need to do to win. Because you and I have both played it more than enough to have had good games and bad games. But we still couldn't sit down there and absolutely guarantee having a really good save because there's just so many factors. I've always, I get messages. I, I think this is one of the funniest parts about like being me is the DMs. Because everybody wants to share their save right? everybody wants to share their save like what happened whether it's hard whether it's easy uh, and there's a there's a documentary in the u.s about fantasy sports like the beginning of fantasy sports and they talk to you know the first people in, that, that made a fantasy league it was baseball and they they had this the, this convention for the first time they had they, they'd done this fantasy sports stuff all over the place and then they have this convention in like cleveland because that just seems like the place to have a fantasy sports convention <laughs> and they everybody shows up and the guys that founded the idea of fantasy sports created the convention they show up and they're like it sucked because the only thing everybody wants to talk about at the fantasy sports convention right is their own <laughs> team right like that's the <laughs> only thing they wanted and nobody else cares and so what i've always tried to do is like you know you actually care so read what's going on in the save, but you get people that are like, either football manager's too easy or it's too hard. There is no just right. All of the factors that could go in your favor have gone in your favor. It's way too easy. You got promoted six straight years. 
I always tell people like that. I'm like, enjoy it. Because the next time you do a save, your star player is going to tear his ACL. Your backup goalkeeper <laughs> is going to have to play like half the season because your starter misses training. You know, like, and he wants to go to PSG. So like, you should enjoy when the things are going in your favor because there's a lot of RNG. I usually equate playing football manager to playing poker. And there are people that can be professional poker players, but there is no poker player on the face of the earth that can guarantee they're going to win a freaking tournament. Absolutely. And if you've ever played poker against people who've never played poker before, then that's that's pretty much the same as playing football manager against someone who's never played it before. There's a puncher's chance every single time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in, in terms of people getting in contact and, and talking to you, I mean, the YouTube comment section, and that, that can be a bit fiery, can't it? And, and one of the things that I don't think people often realise about content creators like yourself is you're sticking your head above the parapets every single time and there's no blocker to what anyone can say to you has it got a bit messy for you in those comment sections in the past it's gotten a lot messier for my mom <laughs> i mean that in like it comments about me right like nobody's commenting about my mom you know you read it and somebody's like oh you're not funny and you're just like okay but she'll read it and she'll start hammering out a response. I'm like, mom, <laughs> chill. Like, you know, like, it, mom, it's okay. Uh, so she, I think she really needed to get used to just the generic people. It, it, like, it, they're not bad. They're really not bad compared to what a lot of people have to deal with, right? Like, I am a white dude on the internet. Life is not that hard. <laughs> but, but, like, there are still the comments that they'll hit you and you're just like, ah, you know, man. I got to do a habit of really diffusing them. I had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, somebody just started calling me a bunch of names. And I'm like, hey, man, this is one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had on the Internet. I, I literally was like, hey, man, uh, I'm really sorry you're having a bad day. I didn't mean to cross you like that. And I hope we're OK. Dude comes back like a week later and he's like, you're right. Like <laughs> my dog died or something. Like I was having a terrible day. I didn't mean it. And I'm like, Wow. I mean, usually that doesn't happen. Now I reply to like every really mean comment with something like that. And it's never happened since. But that one time the guy actually came back and was like, you know what? I was having a terrible day. I'm super sorry. It wasn't you. Uh, and honestly, sometimes those bad comments can help steer you in a different direction. Like I used to get comments like, hey, man, your videos are way too long. You're like Z's, like those sorts of <laughs> things. And so, uh, you know, I started shortening the videos and then I would like look things up and like, yeah, well, maybe a 40 minute video about the best players in FM is a little long. So we're going to tighten that one up. Uh, yes. Yeah, like this isn't a podcast, probably be, uh, between 12 and 18 minutes. And so that's where I, unless it's a special video now, try and end up. And the, the bean comments helped me get there eventually. Now we're, we're, coming up to the end of an era now aren't we we're saying goodbye to fm 21 which which certainly for me at least this has been one of the best ones of of recent years i, th I thought it was a brilliant game what's your verdict on it and, and what's your favorite memory of the game oh fm 21 was well i say was like it's already dead i'm so i'm the moment this this recording ends i'm gonna go play it on stream <laughs> for a thousand people but the that's still crazy to me by the way the huge thing that FM21 did was it overhauled the match engine transparently. I mean, I remember when FM20 came out and FM19 came out. When FM20 came out was the closest I ever got to giving up streaming. You had to guess more what was going on with the match engine, like what changes had been made, whatever. FM21 comes out, they go, FM20, we told people not to go down the middle. 
because our defensive like writing system, our defensive marking system couldn't handle it. So we rewrote the marking system. We've created a bunch of new ways to finish and we've increased the decision-making time by like 800%. So they can make decisions much faster. Players in general have a bunch, they call them slices as I'm sure you, you interview all the relevant people and talk to all the people that I do and more. So the slices where they're making decisions and switching their decision like eight times a second or whatever, the, those intervals were increased dramatically. And so the game seems smoother. The decisions generally seem better. You still get those stupid plays every once in a while, but that was huge. The match engine in FM21 is so much better than the match engine in FM20 that <laughs> still, no matter how many times I say it, somebody's like, they're paying him. Don't listen. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I'm not, I wish. <laughs> they're doing a really good job with the feature drops for 22 also like a really good job i mean you've got a whole video out about it of course which i would urge you if you're listening to um, go have a watch of but what what do you think the, the most exciting new aspect is well the first thing i asked for was dribble moves i i may you know i make these videos this is almost being a prisoner to the system as i'm like you know i know if i make a video that's like the five things i want in fm22 it's just going to blow up. That's just the internet. People just want to watch that. I'm like, I have no, I say at the beginning of the video, I have no inside information. This is just what I hope will happen. And then it just starts this giant conversation. And then you get those comments. Of, I can't believe you want that over this. And I'm like, this isn't an and or situation. This isn't <laughs> like you, you can't get what I'm saying or what you want. Anyways, we, we end up in this situation where they start doing these video drops uh, and like 20 minute video drops with James Lawrence Alcott interviewing people. And I think the, the best thing is the dribble moves so far. But the problem is we haven't actually seen them. And I feel like if they were in the game, we would have seen them in this whole like 20 minute video release thing. What they said is that it's possible for them to happen, but we're not seeing step overs and like, you know, pushing the ball around somebody to run around them instead of just teleporting through them, which is the classic FM dribble move. Uh, but they've like, changed the animation engine, so it's possible. But I, I hope that's it. What, in terms of what I use the most, the data hub is just super cool. I'll use the data hub every day. I'm going to make 80,000 videos about the data hub because it's got so many different rabbit holes to jump down. And it's just like this section of the game where all of a sudden all these analytics that had been hidden in the background of the game or hidden because of terrible UI have now been brought forward so that you can interact with them the same way that like pep would on a tablet in the sidelines that is the most useful one but the most dramatic one is the potential application of dribble moves are you in a position now where you can say with confidence what your first major save is going to be on fm22 absolutely not i've no me neither. can i tell you can i tell you a secret go on okay i have never understood the idea of being like in in april my first major save in Football Manager is gonna be dun 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 dun, dun Tottenham Hotspur. Cool name, cool graphic, right? I've never understood that. So I'm like, I am just on the stream. I'm just playing the game. I don't like map out what I'm gonna do six months before. I came up with Oriental Dragon, which is the save I'm doing right now. It's like this lower division Portugal team that I picked purely because i thought the name was awesome like how is a team in the portuguese fourth division named oriental <laughs> dragon i don't know but i was like this is awesome portuguese dragons let's go i picked it the, the morning of like how you know if you're playing your save personally that's just the way that i pick the saves i don't know what makes a good save that's another thing is like i'm streaming fm how do you know 
how do you pick saves that are so engaging? I'm like, dude, I played in Colombia last year. I just managed a team in Colombia's lower division. Like, I, I whatever I feel like I want to do, hopefully people want to come along for the ride. But I, honest to goodness, I never understood the announcing of the save. Like, I think sometimes you? it's it's to lock it in, isn't it? I think because I will veer from one club to another. So at the moment, I'm thinking my own club, Southend United, they're in a position where I can't possibly do it any worse. But then other <laughs> days I'll be walking down the road thinking, huh, Tottenham are crap. I could do a job with Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, That'll yeah. work out fine. And maybe that public announcement is just like, right, that's it. I am a hostage to my own ill fortune now. Uh, I have to do Tottenham because I said it on Twitter. So it actually is, this is interesting. I didn't know that. So it actually is a reflection of like what people would do in real life. I just never, I never played FM that way because I don't have a club. I never wanted to play in the MLS because the rules give me a headache. I'm not surrounded by it. And so I don't have this like familiarity with, like, I mean, I know now I know like Tottenham's bad. Barcelona is going to be everybody's favorite save because it's like saving Barcelona, which just probably won't be that hard, but it, it'll be nice. Like, Hey, we got over the mountain sort of situation. But I, I, I was always like this outsider and I enjoyed playing football managers, teams I'd never heard of before. Bate Borisov, Oriental Dragon, Janetos, like just teams that barely exist. I'm pretty sure Janeros doesn't exist anymore with something funny that happened during the Colombian save. But but it's great because, you know, when people are watching you, they're watching something they haven't already done themselves and they're probably unlikely to. That said, I would love to see what would happen if you uh, took on, well, the internet's favourite club, Arsenal. Um, <laughs> and, and then we'd see what that YouTube comments box would look like underneath. Um, outside of YouTube, where else... Can we find you? So I have I have a Twitter at the old Zealand, which is fun because I used to have a sports broadcasting Twitter, but now I've like kind of deactivated it. And so I get tweeted at by my professors and stuff and people that'll hear me broadcast a game and they're looking around my Twitter like, what is going on here? Who is this man? Yeah. What, what is this? There's a cover picture and it's somebody took that picture of Reese James in front of all the Arsenal fans. And edited my face onto every single one of them, like the Arsenal fans, and that's that's the cover picture. So I just imagine some like some somebody's grandma tweeted at me after I called a field hockey game, and they're like, "Just love you know, love having old Zealand back on the broadcast." And I could just imagine imagine her looking at that like, "Oh, you know, kids these days or whatever." <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm on Twitter and uh, I'm on Instagram as well. I would not expect any highbrow content on either of those things. The the edited produced entertainment value stuff would be be on twitch and be be on youtube twitch is a z end because uh there's a <laughs> i hate the internet sometimes there's a dude that created like a hundred accounts on twitch like 10 years ago or something just to sell them like just basic names of things man and one of the ones that he grabbed was zealand and so he messaged me and he's like you know i could sell it to you and i'm just like you know oh like I, you know, I'm fine with Z and like I don't want to endorse your entrepreneurial spirit. Like, because I'm the only person too. It's like a captive market. Like, who else is going to try and buy the name Zealand from this guy? Like, he just owns the username with the expressed intent of just getting it and selling it. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, you kind of got to respect it, but you don't need to bow to it. Exactly. It would bother me if I did.
Thank you so much for joining us on the show. That's Zealand. Find him all over the internet and uh, check out some of those videos because they're absolutely brilliant. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Hope I didn't... Uh... What was I supposed to talk about? I think we were good. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, and that means you're almost certainly a subscriber to The Athletic. Huh? Really? You're not? Oh, well, why not? It's all of the best football writing by all of the best football writers. There's no clickbait, there's no rush jobs. It's just good, solid, authoritative articles by people who really know their stuff. But look, it's not too late. We can put this right. If you go to theathletic.com forward slash gaming, you'll find a special introductory deal. That's theathletic.com forward slash gaming. You know it makes sense. The Football Manager Show, position of the week. It's position of the week. I am joined, as always, by Sports Interactive CJ Ramson. CJ, thank you for joining us again. Happy to be here. I'm happy you're here because <laughs> we're going into territory which I've never gone into before. There isn't much about FM21 I've got right, but my overlapping fullbacks almost always on the left and my inverted wingers obviously, always on the left. That bit of the game has really worked for me. So I've never even considered clicking an inverted wing back, not least for the fact that, that I'm old and I'm still not entirely sure what one is. So where a traditional wing back would overlap, try and get to the byline maybe, and play on the outside, the inverted wing back does the opposite. So they'll sit narrower, try and underlap, play on the inside. And depending on what duty you choose, so defence, support, attack, they'll play quite differently in possession. So your defensive inverted wing-back will almost play like a defensive midfielder. I think when Pep first came to Manchester City, that's kind of the way he used that role, where the wing-back would sit in a defensive midfield role and kind of dictate play from there. And you still see that now and again. Where the support duty is the same, but they play a little bit higher and get a bit more involved in build-up play. And then the attack duty, you almost see it now at times with Carl Walker if you uses him or other players who play that inverted wing-back where they really make those bursting underlap runs into the penalty area or towards the byline. Within the right system and with the right players, it can be really effective. So I'm guessing that the natural benefit to this is that if your inverted wing-backs are playing as defensive midfielders, then you don't need to use defensive midfielders and you can use them as attacking midfielders. Exactly that. There's so many types of roles and combinations where it works. So it originally came from South American football where they would use another super niche role in the game called Segundo Valanti, which is a defensive midfield role, which is a defensive midfielder, which makes lots of forward runs into the attacking areas. So you'd have uh, Segundo Valanti at the base of your midfield, they would vacate the defensive midfield area to make forward runs, and then your wing-backs would come centrally to cover their position. That's one way it's used. You kind of see Manchester City use it, maybe not so much nowadays, but you'd see them kind of use it to cover counter-attacks, so to defend transitions because they would commit so many players forward. So there's multiple ways you can use it. It more depends on what players and what formation you have around them. Okay, well, I can hear old school proper football men going, hang on a minute. If you're inverted. <laughs> Shaking their heads. Yeah, if you're inverted wing backs, move into defensive midfield, but your team loses possession, even in spite of all those attacking midfielders, and your opposition suddenly goes, right, bang it into the channel. 
all of a sudden you've got no fullbacks. Surely you're going to be vulnerable to the counter. Well, that's the risk and that's the payoff. You're more solid centrally, but you're a bit more exposed in the wide areas. So I wouldn't recommend going with an inverted wing back on both sides. It can you a little bit exposed. If you kind of just go one side, you almost get that lopsided three plus one that a lot of teams like to play out of possession. It's it's one to keep in mind, but I definitely wouldn't recommend, say, going inverted wing-back attack on both sides because you will likely be exposed. Now, as speaking as someone who covered Arsenal extensively through the last days of Arsene Wenger, not having two attacking fullbacks is <laughs> uh, something that's kind of seared into my frontal lobes. If you were just going to, say, have an inverted wing back on the left-hand side, would it then make sense to make your right back a kind of no-nonsense fullback or something like that? You don't have to go that extreme. You can maybe make them uh, just a fullback or even a wing back support or wing back defend. I'd say it's more the midfield role around them. So if I was using, say, an inverted wing back support or attack in left back, I might want to make my left central midfielder a Mazzala, for instance. So he kind of moves into that half space and makes space and combines with him or, or use an out and out winger on the left rather than using an inverted winger so they don't kind of play in the same spaces. So lots of it is trial and error, working what worked for your team. A lot of it would be based on the individual. I'd say there's a big difference between using an inverted wingback with pace and using one that doesn't have pace, because that can be a big factor when they're making the forward runs, for instance. Rather than having them just trying to play defeat and be technical, it can be really dangerous if you're using a really quick fullback in that inverted role, making central runs. So lots of it will depend on what's best for your team, but there's lots of combinations that do work. All right, that's the inverted wing back. That was CJ Ramson, and we'll have another one of those for you very soon. The Football Manager Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. It is time for your letters, and thank you so much. There's like waves of them that come in after the show's gone out now. It's lovely. All through Thursday, I just get lots of lots of emails pinging in. Producer Steve, hello. 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 Uh, you feeling you so- better this week then? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm old now, so you know it takes a bit longer to to get over the the little knocks. But um, mm. thank you for keeping the sneeze in. That that oh. really amused all of my family. <laughs> Anytime, you know I've got your best interests at heart. <laughs> what have we pulled out the mailbag? Who are the lucky ones that have been selected? First up is Brendan Batchelor, and Brendan says, as we approach the release of FM22, I find myself very conflicted. I'm very excited for the new game and all of the possibilities that it brings, but at the same time, I'm going to find it very hard to leave FM21 behind. I spent most of 2021 managing Armenia Bielefeld, and I took them from being relegated after our first year, and I somehow didn't get the sack, to a Champions League semi-final in my most recent season. I've made a personal connection to this team and this save, and I'm feeling similar emotions to that of a breakup as I can see the end of the line for our time together getting nearer and nearer. I know there could be new exciting saves for me out there, but what if I'm unable to love another save as much as I'd love this one? This game has hurt, Reed sacked me so many times, and this year it didn't. I'm not sure I'm ready to be hurt again. I know I must move on, but I can't shake the feeling that this save was the one. What should I do? God, that was like um, that was like a Simon Bates letter from the eighties, that wasn't it? <laughs> There's a reference I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like seventy percent of the listeners go Simon who? What <laughs> yeah, <now?"> exactly. <laughs> Genuinely, I don't have this problem because usually by the time the summer comes round, I've stopped starting new games. 
Mm. I've had it a little bit this time because the West Ham story with um, the Mad Scientist database I was really enjoying. But the closer you get to the new release, the harder I find. I load it up and I'll sit there for a second and think, God, there's no point, is there? There's no point because you you know what happened. You very rarely go back once the new one comes out. You've just got to brace yourself. You've got to take the plaster off. Give yourself a little bit of detox as well. This is a great period of time for not playing Football Manager before the new one comes out. just makes you hungrier for when it does land. And, of course, it is going to land. I mean, it's the 6th of October as we record this. We've got the 9th of November for a release date. But at some point, maybe two weeks before... It's just going to drop. You're just going to get that email dropping in going, here I am. <laughs> and then it all starts again. I'd say enjoy the peace and quiet. Do you know, I do slightly empathize with Brendan, to be fair, in the sense of like, I'm feeling the same about my Everton save at the moment. I finally got the system going. A very narrow team finally got them working. Alex Awobi's playing well, which is really justifying not starting Hamas Rodriguez, who's kicking off all the time. I do feel like I'm just going to get to a really good position with this and they have to move on. Maybe you can just go back and forth between FM21 and FM22. I never end up doing that. I've done it with Civilization because they're like Civilization 4 is such a perfect game that even mm. though I love Civilization 6, I will go back and play that. But I've, I've never really done it with Football Manager. But who knows? Let's, let's find out. New game coming. Um, we had another letter from uh, Tom Banner who says that he loves listening to the Football Manager show. That's a great way to get yourself on the show, by the way. <laughs> if you open up your letter like that... Saddened here how badly things went with Sunderland. I was one of the lucky few to make it work, says Tom Banner. And he's got a few tips in case you're still going or you want to squeeze in one more game. He says, attitude matters. Sunderland's a huge club, so act like it. My experience signing League One players and playing lower league football never works. Go control possession, 4-1-2-3. Planning is vital. I think that's fair. He says, plan was simple. Get into the Championship, get into the Premier League. I kind of feel like I want a, a plan with more granular detail. Um, but, but he does say, with that in mind, recruitment was all geared around building for the next level. Cut the dross, sign the best you can get. I think that's fair. You know, dress for the job you want, sign the players for the division you think you should be playing in. That all makes sense. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Can't understand why people don't spend more time working on their, their coaching stuff. You good quality coaches can set you up for a brilliant time. This is absolutely true. It can have a huge effect. I had Rivaldo as director of football in a coaching team that included Carlos Valderrama. There's another reference for the kids. <laughs> Wayne Rooney, Andy Cole and Stuart Pearce. So at this point, I'm reading this. Going, oh, this is really good. This is really no wonder this guy did well. It's a point four. Get lucky. I got incredibly lucky during my first season when the club was taken over by a billionaire. This what? allowed me to buy championship players in League One and then Premier League players in the championship. I won both League One and the championship and finished eighth in the Premier League. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Tom at all. You know, Sunderland is is that cursed graveyard of a football club. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it does help if in the first season you get taken over by a billionaire. I mean, I do think that sort of final point does slightly undermine the previous ones. <laughs> or it has to go first, at least. Like, by the way, guys, I got taken over by a billionaire, <laughs> which made buying everyone, all the, all the players above the division, which made getting Rivaldo in easy. But anyway. Congratulations anyway, Tom. Um, because, you know, even with all the money, it's still bloody Sunderland. Uh, who else we got there? Okay, so Brian Kendall has written in. I love you. I really do have a man crush on you. And I just had to get that off uh, my chest just out of the way. 
All right. And now I'll read Brian's letter. Hey! <laughs> Here once a week, everyone. So Brian uh, continues to say, for the last four months, I've binge listened to the podcast, walking my 10-month-old red Doberman puppy called Rowdy Roddy Piper, who I'm going to assume is named after the wrestler. We are all 80s references today. I mean, really are, aren't we? How weird. Yes, so trying to burn off his demonic amount of puppy energy listening to this podcast. I literally can't hear the addictive beat of the opening riff without seeing the crazy dog. And now Brian wrote something else here, but we'll say dog. Walk in perfect time. Anyway, please, please, please answer this burning question, which as a side note, I'd quite like to know too as well, Ian. Why do you go through so many producers like Tottenham go through managers? <laughs> do you have a diva hidden attribute rating of 20? Seriously, what gives? And those are Brian, to be clear, Brian's words, not mine. And at this point, though, I should also say happy 10th show anniversary. And that my predecessors had 12 and 11 shows respectively. So I'll be honest, I'm starting to get a bit worried. Yeah, check carefully, Steve. Check carefully. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you. Thank you, Brian. I reciprocate your love. And on the producer question, people just leave me. <laughs> it's 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 not me, I promise. Through the Muddy Knees media days, you know, I've dealt with my fair share of, of, of talent and I, and I think I'm very easy to deal with. But Cornelius Mendes, who is the producer of the excellent BBC You're Dead to Me podcast, he uh, fell in love and emigrated to Australia. So that kind of made life a bit difficult. Abby Patterson got offered the Arsenal podcast here at The Athletic, so had to make a choice and yeah, I wish she'd spent more time thinking about it, um, but but she made that choice immediately, and and that leaves you, Steve, until whatever excuse you come up with to uh, skedaddle out the back door. Yeah, I, I, don't worry. What's that? What's that Team America quote, Ian? Where where um, he promises, um, "I promise I will never die." <laughs> um. <laughs> it's going to end up just me doing it myself by having to do everything in one take because I have no idea how to use uh, Adobe Audition. No, no, I will be here forever. <laughs> There are at least beyond 12 episodes, I suspect, unless things go very badly in the next few weeks in unexpected ways. Yeah, let's see. Don't start any long books. <laughs> Who else have we got? We've got some technical questions, haven't we? We do, we do. The next one is Mark Heron. And he says, in my most recent save, I've been trying to start as an unemployed Sunday leaguer and I'm wondering about the benefits of foreign experience, for example, language capability. Would this experience or skill make me as a manager more attractive to players of that nation or who speak that language? Would reputation built up abroad help swing negotiations with that wonder kid that you really want? Would I be able to contribute to national knowledge if I'm not part of a new club's scouting setup? So this is basically the benefit of foreign experience, you know, working outside of whatever your default nation and language is. Now, what did Sports Interactive have to say about this, Ian? They said that managing in a foreign country can help to boost your world reputation, which can help a manager's prospects in landing future jobs, as well as garnering more respect from players at the club and any potential signings. But specific nationalities of players won't make much of a difference to how much they immediately like you or how much they'd ask for in negotiations. <laughs> so so personality go. is probably quite important there, isn't it? In terms yeah. of whether players like you or not. Absolutely. Mm. What else we got? So Edward Astor writes in to say, does renewing a player's contract during the season affect their on-the-pitch performance? During a couple of saves, most notably with QPR and Schalke 04. Just hear Ian shuddering in the background, as I mentioned. <laughs> Uh, um, a German institution. I renewed a couple of players' contracts mid-season to remove buyout clauses and ward off some other interested parties. However, all of these players simultaneously had huge and tangible drops in form. 
One of my coaches said one of the players had lost motivation having signed a new contract. However, nothing else was noted about the other players, but their form almost instantly deteriorated to well below the mean. What's the verdict on this? Well, as I say that renewing a player's contract can give them a morale boost, which can positively impact their performance. And it should prevent the player experiencing any potential drop in performance due to concerns about the contract situation. So it's always good to keep on top of this, but but nothing about the other way round. Interesting. I mean, I might speculate that if the whole team, lots of players within the team all of a sudden have a drop off at the same time, perhaps something in the wider team might be wrong. In yeah, the could be, could be, could be yeah. form, could be, but, yeah. could be just that footballers are horrible. They're just, they're just bad people. All of them. 100%. All of them. Yeah, 100%. Them. See, Even see Chris Powell. Even Chris Powell. <laughs> Lovely Chris. <laughs> okay, final one is from Sean Black. And he says, I had a question that might seem silly, but I can never get it right. In FM21, I've been playing with Bologna. Their youth system is mad good, which is his words, by the way, um, which I didn't realise going in, but it's been a very pleasant surprise. And I'm usually using a 4-3-3, and I've also got a 4-2-3-1 going too as another tactical option. I've won a number of Serie A titles, and I'm also getting some good European runs. But here's the thing. I really struggle against teams that play three at the back, which, as this is may know, is quite a few in Italy. When I get out of jail, it's because of a set piece, or a fluke goal, but the sheer number of nil-nil draws is excruciating. Any tips without ripping my team apart and playing four men up front as I've been tempted to do in my rage moments? So what do Sports Interactive say here? Yeah, this is a really good question because I've had this in the past as well. Sports Interactive say if your tactic's struggling, try and match them for three at the back so you're not getting outnumbered in areas. It's something you see a lot of managers do in real life uh, when facing a team that plays three in the back and, and it can help you even out that tactical battle. That's a, that's just a really logical answer, isn't it? I mean, quite, quite. That's one way of uh, breaking the old catanacho, isn't it? Done, done. All right, that, that was a lot of letters this week, but we're always looking for more. So uh, scribble something down, put it in an envelope. Actually, don't do any of that because I'm not even sure what a postal address is, if indeed <laughs> there is anyone in the country who still sends letters. Email imacintosh at theathletic.com or you can find me on Twitter, uh, which is Ian underscore games. And always remember, it's Ian with two eyes. <laughs> Seb Stafford Bloor, what else do you play? Red Dead Redemption 2, Ian. Red Dead Redemption 2, obviously the sequel to Red Dead Redemption, open world game in which you are character within the Old West. In Red Dead Redemption 2, you're part of a gang who are rubbing up against the evolving world. They're very much characters from the old west who you know campfires and horses and um on the horizon they're seeing big cities constructed and booming up and their livelihood changing and i think it's um the open world aspect of it is very engaging because you you kind of feel that struggle it's kind of a conflicting situation you feel that sort of a way of life dying and you know a world getting smaller uh, but at the same time much larger when i first met my wife the trailer had first appeared and i was kind of enthused by it and showing her and she's completely unimpressed but then the day that the game arrived and she saw the horses and the free roam and the kind of the range of different things you could do she she became hooked so we we, we played together and it's lovely because it's so broad that it caters to pretty much anybody's interests and you see people developing skills so my wife started off as she just liked to, to ride around and see stuff and and over time 
She has developed into probably the most lethal woman in the history of the Wild West. Excellent hunter, good bounty hunter as well. And it's just fun. It's it's kind of social, and uh, you know we can still talk during it. I'm I'm not someone who I never really have been beyond football manager. I've never really been someone who wants to disappear down a gaming hole for a very very long time and talk to nobody. I'm not. So it's a way for us to kind of relax and to um, meet at the end of the days and do something fun. And yeah, it's been great. We're still playing it now. We've gone through a couple of times actually, and uh, it's still great. Much like Football Manager, Red Dead Redemption offers the opportunity to see a world through a different set of eyes and to be a character. Obviously, the dynamics are slightly different, but it's the same principle. You get to use your judgment in certain ways. In Football Manager, obviously, that's with team selections and transfers and, and, and tactics. But then in a game like Red Dead Redemption, it's about how you behave. You know, do you kill that horse rider that mouths off to you on the way to the city or do you just let him go? Are you more concerned with picking herbs and, and flowers and, and whatnot? And this is, it's interesting because I'm like this and this makes me sound like quite a bizarre person, but I'm not big on killing the animals. I like animals and I, I find it difficult to shotgun one out of the sky, for instance. And I suppose that's really it, isn't it? That's what it describes, because the game doesn't compel you to do anything you don't want to do, as Football Manager doesn't. So it's more similar than people realize, I think. And that was our show. Hey, you know what we haven't had in a while? We haven't had a review. I mean, you could put that right today. You could put that right right now. Bound over onto Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. Unless, of course, you hated it, in which case, please do not feel compelled to share your feelings with the world. Your guests today were Zealand off the YouTube, CJ Ramson from Sports Interactive, Seb Stafford Bloor off the TIFO, your producer was Steve Hankey, and I'm much more like Ian McIntosh than I was last week. Athletic.